Uh, the gospel reading today is from Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, and surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our prayer today includes the the requests that are in the bulletin. May we pray. Dear Lord, we, we look for you each day for our guidance. And for these requests, again, be close to these folks and these activities. For Caleb and Jacob, as they adjust to being away from home, be close to them and let them hear your guidance. For next Sunday with the combined service, pray that it will be a blessing and enlightenment to everyone there to see, to see you. And for the manor, they seek to fill empty apartments and, and serve the current tenants and and face challenges that are, are part of, of that mission. Be close to those that, that serve the, the manor and be close to those that, that live there. And as we take our collection today, please know that we, we look towards you as we use these funds in order to spread your word throughout this community and this world. Amen. Well, today is our last, the last Sunday of September, and our last Sunday honoring our recovery month. And if you remember, you can see here where we started this month was with two tiles, one white and one a dark grayish color that was complete. And for the first children's moments, we broke them, right? And so, Caden, what have you guys been doing in Sunday school since that first Sunday? 
Yeah. And I think you guys have succeeded in what you've tried to do. So they, they take, took these, the tiles that were broken. Some of them got the joy of breaking them even more, going outside with a hammer and, and smashing them. Um, but we, we've been sticking them together and making this mosaic. And what we talked about with the kids at Sunday school and what we've been talking about here is even though we are a broken people and there are many things that break us, sometimes our own choices, sometimes things we can't control, God is a God of healing, God is a God of restoration, and God wants to bring us to wholeness. And, you know, if you would rather look at a square blank white tile that is not broken, or this, which is more pleasing to the eye? That's what God does. He takes them. You can clearly see there's brokenness on here. You can clearly see every crack and imagine the impact that caused each one of those cracks. But at the end of the day, which would you rather have, you know, maybe if we framed it and grouted it, which would you rather have hanging in your living room? One untouched tile or a piece that looks like something beautiful, like a piece of art? And so I think that, I mean, that, that represents all of us. As we enter, as we conclude our uh, recovery month series, as we conclude looking at the 12 steps, I think all of us um, can, can have this as a goal for ourselves. You know, it's unrealistic to think that we're going to make it through life as that one unblemished piece of tile. It just doesn't happen. But I think it's realistic to think that God can shape us and form us and with the help of our community and our church that we can be shaped into something that was even more beautiful than what we started with. Yes, the cracks and the breaks of our past are evident. We don't ignore them and pretend they never happened. But the end result is this, this piece of redemption and beauty that can be celebrated. And so this morning we, we finish looking at that process, looking at the 12-step the process. This morning we have the last... Three steps, steps 10, 11, and 12. And so we will, we'll, we'll wrap up um, with those. So let's get, jump in with step 10. Step 10 reads like this in the AA process. Now again, just to put note, we've been using the, the, the 12 steps of AA as a, as a guide through our recovery month. Uh, we don't say it's the only way that recovery can happen. Uh, and we don't say it's a perfect step, perfect system. Um, and we supplement the language that can be ambiguous about God and say that we're talking about God the Father. We're talking about Jesus as revealed in Scripture. And it's, we can just name that here in this building. Uh, and, yeah, the AAs are, isn't perfect, but it is a guide. And that we can apply ourselves no matter where we're at in this journey, uh, whether it's substance abuse or whether it's a flaw that we have in our character or whether it's something that we're just trying to, to recover from in our past that we had no control of. It wasn't an addiction, but it's still a break and a crack in our history and in our story that we want healing from. And so we can all enter into this path of healing in different, different ways and in different places on the journey. But it can something that we can all learn from, and it's something that we can all walk with someone else on that path. So step 10 reads like this. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admit it. Now, if you remember, this this harkens back to one of the earlier steps where it says a fearless and courageous moral inventory. So one of the early on in the step process of AA, you, you really take this inventory where you have to just take this fearless look at yourself and, and just be honest, and like this, this is, these are the things that my character, this is my, my addictions, my behaviors that need to be changed. Uh, but step 10 kind of turns it into that loop, all right? So earlier on, it's just like you've got to do this courageous inventory. And now step 10 says continue 
to take that personal inventory. And I think that that inventory language here is actually quite helpful. Um, Inventory, as as you know, many of you may have had to do this, maybe one of your first jobs. It's an easy thing to do. If you're employed, if if Lynn would employ you to do inventory, I'm guessing everyone in this room would be qualified, right? You get a list, you check things off the list, it's there, it's not there. It's something that has to be done. It's a routine that you need to do on a regular basis. a regular schedule if you're a business. And it takes attention. You know, you can't just gloss over it. It takes attention to detail. It takes some patience. Um, you know, an inventory, you can't do inventory by peeking your room, into your uh, head into a warehouse and say, yep, everything looks like it's here. Close the door and check off inventory done. Right? It takes time. You've, you've got to do the work. It's, it, is, it can be tedious work. And it, it, needs, it's, it needs attention but I like that inventory language because doing inventory is generally a, a pretty simple and easy task that doesn't require a whole ton of, of um, emotional engagement or it's not intimidating, it's not scary. You're just you're being aware, you're observing, you're taking note, you're noticing what's happening. And so when we do this moral inventory, it's, it's simply that, it's observing. It's, it's taking time to observe yourself and taking note of what you find. And some, you're not ignoring things, right? So if there's something that's going on, you don't ignore it. You don't do that in an inventory, right? If you were hired to do inventory in a warehouse and you just ignored a whole section, that would be, you wouldn't have that job for that long, right? You're not ignoring. You're also not panicking. Right? If you find something out of place, you find something that you think doesn't belong there, you observe it, you note it, you don't panic. And you're not blaming the person or someone else or yourself even for why it's there. It's, it's kind of this cold, calculated process of, of being aware and noticing. And I think also very important, so when we do this, I like this inventory language because it's pretty cold and emotionless. And I think that's important at some states, some states, some spaces. And it's very important with this language of inventory is that there's no shame involved. Any type of recovery, any type of addiction, any type of sinful behavior, any, even any type of thing that has happened to you in the past, this, this thing of shame just sneaks in. And shame is such an ugly thing that it's such a manipulative thing and it's such a powerful thing. And we think about doing this personal inventory, right away you might have this, this visceral reaction, like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to think about this. I don't want to dwell on whatever it might be because there's so much shame attached to it. And it makes us feel uh, dirty and unwanted and, and, and uh, like worthless people. And, and you know, all these emotions come with it. And that's not what I see involved in step 10. It's doing an inventory. It's being mindful of what's happening. It's noticing what is there. If there are things that, aren't, that shouldn't be there, uh, you, you, you take necessary actions to work on that. But it's not being overcome by the emotions of, of shame and guilt and all that comes with it. And especially when thinking of, of addiction. You know, there's, there's a cycle in addiction. And I would say there's a cycle, a cycle in all uh, senior, sinful behavior or things that happen. And shame is a huge part of that cycle. And part of addiction is, so the action, you know, you act out, whatever that acting out might be. And there, there, there could be a, a list of 20, 30, or 100 things that for any individual person that it might be a, an addictive behavior to act out on. So you act out. And then r- right after that, you feel shame. You feel dirty. You're like, why did I do that? And then you start to rehearse a story in your head of thinking, I'm a worthless person. No one should, if anyone really got to know me and knew what, I, what I've done and who I am, they wouldn't want to be around me. And so then you start to live with the shame, you start to live with this guilt, and you start to live with the story in your head that you're a worthless person. 
And as you live with that burden on you for so long, you look for a release. And then when you find that release, you act out again. And then the cycle happens. That's part of the addiction downward spiral that happens. And so this, this step 10, I think, is very important, is you're not shaming ourselves. You know, when we, it's this kind of cold, calculated, you look at yourself, you notice things that are there, you observe them, and you start working towards wholeness and healing, um, not just by yourself, but as the, all the steps up to this point, you involve God in that process, you ask for the help of the Holy Spirit, you reach out to someone else, you have the tools, you have the process, don't become overcome with shame. And then taking even uh, another step further, and I think this is going beyond step 10, but I think it's a very important step. So if we're doing this inventory process, if we're, we're being mindful and we notice some things, we're aware of some things, and we, we, we choose not to panic, and we choose not to blame, we choose not to become overcome with shame, and so we're aware of, of this, whatever this is. It could be a behavior, it could be some thoughts, thought processes, uh, it could be some uh, ideas that you don't like being in there, you know. So the next step, I would say, if you want to keep this business model, is an interview. Ask questions. Ask questions of that thing that you found that you don't want there. Ask it what? Ask it why? Ask it where, right? Why, why is this here? What is it that led uh, me to this behavior? Why, why did I end up here? And again, not blaming yourself, like, why did I do this? Why? What, what is it that led me for? Any time that you, someone acts out, that we act out, that we do something, you know, there's a, there's a, that was led up to. It didn't happen in a vacuum, and it didn't happen in isolation. Why? What was, the, what was the process that led to this? You know, where did this come from? And start interviewing, or even, even more stronger language, interrogate it. You know, where did this come from? And as you, as you start asking these questions, you start doing some of this examination, you might learn something that's very important. And, you know, it could be, it could be very um, simple. It could, be, it could be a very complex and lifelong journey of finding this thing out. Um, but it's, it's simple. So let's take, uh, we've used a couple different examples throughout the last couple weeks. So let, let's look at an example of a, food base, a food-based behavior, right? So if, you're, if the issue is food-based, some type of eating disorder or food addiction, um, and you've noticed a behavior that you know is unhealthy, you know can be addictive, you notice it, start asking that question. Why was it that I wasn't able to say no to that second portion? Why was it that I couldn't say no to, to X, Y, or Z? What was it that made me feel like if I would just have that extra portion or have that dessert, that it would make me feel better? What was it that was leading me to that thought process? Or where have I been in the last week that has made, put me at this spot of vulnerability and weakness? Start asking those questions, and when we ans- get honest answers to those questions, then we can really start hitting our core issues on the head. So this honest, moral inventory. Emotions are very important, and they're a part of who God made us. But for some of this process, we need to, we need to keep our, curb our emotions, curb, curb our feelings of shame and guilt, and kind of go through this uh, this process of noticing and being mindful and being aware. And those answers that we get from asking questions of our hang-ups, of our act- addictive behaviors, those answers will be part of our healing process. Then step 11. Step 11 says, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for, his, for knowledge of His will 
and the power to carry that out. Let me read that again. This is one of the longer steps. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve, improve our conscious contact with God. Right, so that's, let's take that chunk off there. That's pretty important, right? So they, steps 11 and 12 are pretty br- more broad and general and really are some things that as, as Christians we should just be practicing anyway. This is just normal Christian practices. Instead of God as we understand Him, we name that as God the Father, as the Trinity. Right? But we should be seeking on a daily basis through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God. Um, that's you know, what, whatever that means. That's what the, the psalm that Tim read this morning is. When you're going through those, those tough, tough times, those valleys, and you're asking, where is God? Meditate on God's Word. That's what it says here. Meditate to improve our conscious contact with God. That we do it intentionally, consciously. We try to uh, spend that time in prayer and meditation with God. Asking only for His will for us and the power to carry it out. Again, for us, uh, having, if we've grown up in the church, if, if no matter what denomination we come from or grown up in, I mean, every, every Christian knows like prayer is one of the core parts of, of discipleship, of being a disciple. And that's what the sermon title is this morning. The path to healing is discipleship. Right? This, the, the, the fact that the, follow, the act of following Jesus, the act of meditating on His Word, the act of consciously being in contact with Him through prayer, you know, that, that's what the Christian life is. And step 11 just names that. Like, this needs to be a continual thing. You don't just check off 11 and move to 12. This is a continual part of the Christian life. It's a part of the healing journey um, that we all walk through. And step 12 is similar. Uh, I think step 12, uh, the second scripture reading that, that Tim read, the gospel reading, is the Great Commission. And I think step 12 is really just a paraphrase of the Great Commission. Step 12 says, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps... We tried to carry the message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. So for us, you know, we can just remove the alcoholic language and put in, you know, make it a blank and fill in anything else. But really, this is, this is the Great Commission. You've had a spiritual awakening. You had a, you've been on a spiritual journey with Jesus. You're on the path to healing. And the important part of the path to healing is that you're pulling others along. So Jesus said, you know, you've been walking with me for three years. You've seen me from the, the baptism out of the Jordan and all that you've seen me go through. You've seen me walk through Passion Week, even though he didn't call it Passion Week. But you know, you've seen me suffer. You've seen me die. You've seen me resurrect from the dead. And you've experienced me in my, my resurrection body, and now I'm going to leave you. You've seen all these things. Now, go bring other people in. Bring other people in. Share this with other people. And we know that this didn't happen right away, but 40 days later, after the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, it's exactly what the disciples did. And this is step 12 of the AA process. This is discipleship. When you've been through a journey yourself, you know, bring others along. I don't know if you heard... Uh, Tim, I think, mentioned it very quickly, but the idea that in AA they call this a sponsor, right? If you start the 12-step process, right away you need a sponsor. And that a sponsor is someone that has been through the 12 steps, that has, has had this spiritual awakening, has this maturity, has this experience, and they walk through with someone else. And that's what church should be like. I've heard a, a very well-known pastor say, everybody that is a follower of Christ should have someone ahead of them and someone behind them on the journey. And not ahead and behind like winning and losing, like this one's better, that one's worse. But you should, we should all have someone ahead of us 
and all have someone behind us in this journey. That means there should always, we should always have a mentor that we go to, someone that, that we meet with regularly that, that can check in with us, whether it's accountability or uh, coaching or Bible study or time with prayer, whatever it is, that there's someone that we look up to spiritually that, that we, we need growth from and we meet with them. And AA, it's a sponsor. For us, we call them mentors or, or disciples or disciplers. You know, whatever language you put on it, you know, all Christians should have someone ahead of them. And I think that gets tricky, especially in the church, because oftentimes, you know, many you know, have been in church your whole lives. Um, you've, you've been teaching Sunday school. You've been elders. You've been a part of leadership of that and leadership of this. And really, the rest of the people in this room might see you as a leader, as a mentor, as someone they look up to. And it's easy for, for those to slip into the role of, well, I'm working with other people. But yeah, but who's ahead of you? Who are you going to? None of us can, can do this on our own. We never arrive at a place where we're like, all right, now I'm the leader, I'm the teacher, and I don't need to be checking in with someone else. We all, we all need those people. And it can be dangerous in the church when the leaders are not doing that. Um, that, that puts them in a very vulnerable position. Likewise, it's also a big weakness if the opposite's not happening. If there's not people that you're pulling on beside you, behind you, saying, hey, I've been there, I've been through this journey, I've, I, I've been through whether it's parenting, I've been through tough job situations, I've, I've been through spirit seasons of dryness where reading Scripture is difficult and prayer seems like a chore. You know, I've been there. And let me walk with you in that process. Or maybe it's someone that's new to faith and they just don't know anything about Scripture, don't know anything about being a part of the church. Who are those people that we're pulling in behind us? That's what the Great Commission was about. That's what discipleship is. That's what the, the 12, step 12 of the 12 steps is. That's what the gospel is about. That there's someone ahead of us and there's someone behind us. Uh, and it can be multiple people, but we, we can't find ourselves in that spot where we have, quote-unquote, arrived and we're not being mentored anymore. And we can't leave the people that are in need of mentors without wisdom to help them out. It's really pretty cyclical. The 12 steps, you know, you, you go through these, these, these journeys and you're never done. Part of AA is if you, if you finish step 12, a lot of times you're encouraged to start over and do the whole thing again. A lot of times you're asked to be a sponsor and you keep going to the meetings to work with other people. And I think it's the same of the Christian life. I mean, no one in here can check off the list and say, well, I accomplished Christianity. I did it. Right, I read the whole Bible, I got baptized, I'm a part of a church, I've done the job. Right? We all know that's silly. It's an it's a ongoing daily practice of life that we will practice until the day we die, and then when we die, we get the reward. And we get rewarded here as well. Um, but we know you don't check it off the list. It's never done. It's a, it's a path that we walk our whole lives. And this path to healing is, is full of people. It's full of us here in the church. It's full of those that, that aren't here. That, that it's everywhere on the path. We have people that we look like they're way down the path, way ahead of us. They look like they're almost to the end. And there's people that are looking like, man, you need to get on this path, right? You need, you need this path to healing. I have, you know, we have tools available to help you. We're all on this at different points on the journey. We're all being guided and we're all guiding others. As the song that we've been singing every Sunday, I didn't really plan this when we chose it for October 7th, but we're marching in the light of God. I mean, that's, that's us. We're all on this path to healing and we're marching in the light of God. We all struggled and, and we're not pretending that we're all at the same 
level of, of addictive behavior or struggles or hang-ups or whatever name we want to put on it. But we're all there. We all want to look like this. We don't want to aspire towards just that perfect, clean slate. Because it's impossible. We want God to mold us and shape us and form us and redeem us into something beautiful as we walk on this path to healing. Let's pray. God, it seems odd to say it at times, but we saw the Apostle Paul struggle with this, that at times we almost are grateful for the the difficulties that you've brought us through. At times we can almost say something like, we're grateful that we've sinned because their grace abounded. But Lord, we know we never want to be grateful for sin or sinful behavior. But Lord, when we step back, we can become grateful of the journeys that you've brought us on and are bringing us on and will bring us through. That you've taken something that we've messed up and broken and you've molded it and you've shaped it and you've redeemed it into something beautiful in everyone's sight. And so, Lord, I pray that as all of us are on different parts in this journey, that we can continue to seek you and be that, be that resurrection body that you have laid out as a goal for us. And Lord, I pray that we can be those that reach out with helping hands, not judging, but helping. Not looking down our noses, but being graceful and merciful to others on the journey. That we can be mentored as much as we mentor. And so, Lord, as we end this series of the recovery month and honoring it, Lord, may you continue to remind us of this journey and this path that we are on for the rest of our lives. May we have the strength to be faithful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.